to episode 44 of the MPG Complex Cast. My name is Steven. I'm joined by my co-hosts, John. Hey. And Chris. Hey. And in today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at Chris's PPTQN as well as Pro Tour 25. But before we uh, kick things off with our weekly roundup, we tell you what decks we piloted and what decks we played against. Uh, just a quick apology for introducing the past three episodes as episode 40. This is indeed episode 44. Not... Hey, hey, 40, 43 was fine, I believe. Okay, so so it's only like 40 through 42. That was, yeah, that yeah, was introduced as 40. You know, just, I, I saved us last week. It was fine. <laughs> uh, MTG Groundhog cast. Basically, yeah. Uh, but in, in any event, uh, let's let's do some, some weekly roundup stuff. Chris, what did you play? Um, to the surprise of exactly no one, I played Amulet. I did not actually get a chance to play FNM, so I did not get a chance to test out the old Nissa Steward of Elements that I had been talking about. Um, my motorcycle decided that its rear tire did not require any more air in it, so I was <laughs> unable to make it to FNM. That's a funny way of putting it. Um, but I did play Amulet at a uh, Saturday PPTQ at A1 Comics, which hit its player cap at 54 people and had to turn some uh, people away, actually. That's, that sucks. Well, they neglected to seat people outside this time, like they did last year. <laughs> which is uh, good, because California is literally on fire right now. And actually everything just, is covered in ash. The whole state is actually just on fire right now. <laughs> so, it, that's it good. Is. Um, but I'll talk more about my endeavors later. Um, how about you, Stephen? What did you play this past weekend? So uh, I'm going to update you on my past two weeks because I wasn't here for last week. Uh, last week I played Affinity. It was a lot of fun. I went undefeated. It was a great time. I hadn't played Magic in a little while before that, or at least Modern, so I didn't feel very confident. But as soon as I started playing, I just fell into that sweet, sweet pattern. And it was just like, ah, oh, yes. I remember what winning is feels like. <clears throat> and then that same weekend, I played two tournaments of uh, Standard with Teamer Lands, the deck that I've been brewing. Uh, surprisingly, it was I was not the only one with the idea in mind. There was uh, there was that another yeah there was another deck that was like we were we were about six cards off from being identical. Which did was you guys, did you guys meet in the losers bracket? <laughs> Rude. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> mm. uh, there was there was a lot of times where, like, I don't know, I was like a land short of lethal, or I couldn't find another creature, or there was just like I, I could I could sit there and tell you a bunch of different excuses, but the the matter of the fact is, anything that plays more than like uh, two places of creatures is more aggressive than me. Therefore, I'm going to lose to those decks. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, oh, especially Stompy. Uh, I won one against Stompy, but I forgot that most of Stompy's creatures are like three fours, or at least have four toughness, which uh, Sweltering Sense does not kill those creatures. No, huh. no, it does not. Um, but I did stop a Galta from killing me, which was pretty cool. I sat there with my with my Maze of Ithland. <laughs> Haha. <laughs> uh, so that was cool. Anyways, 
And then I played another tournament. I went undefeated. It was it was a very small tournament. It was first standard, first standard showdown. Ended up pulling a Vraska's Contempt in my packs, which was cool highlight. Um, and then this past week, I played Amulet because I've been hearing Chris talk about it so much, <laughs> and uh, I decided I'd I'd break out the old deck. Uh, I played some some Goldfish games the day prior and felt warm up yeah like it felt like i I had my footing again with the deck um all these all these fair weather amulet players just coming out of the woodwork whenever chris does well (laughs) uh and when played against affinity was really easy my opponent i like led off with a with uh with a scout and my opponent goes well this will be a quick one and leads off with like like three artifacts he's playing affinity and i'm just like like okay sure whatever and i have a walking ballista in my hand and next turn he plays like like double steel overseer and i play walking ballista for three and kills overseers and then that game took quite a long time (laughs) (laughs) so you know you need for when people like bm like that you just need to carry around with you in your bag one of those that was easy buttons oh yeah you just pull it out that was easy (laughs) ultimate bm right there and then my opponent was like really confused as to what he should be doing he took a long time sideboarding he hopped into game two and he, i'm like i'm like you think four. you were on jank maybe that's why you thought I, it was gonna I be guess, a first pass. i don't i don't i really don't understand why people do that because i don't know anyways uh he's like master ethereum cranial plating arc manager on board i'm at five life i'm like definitely dead on board Unless I draw a crew land, I draw the crew land, play it, play my uh, my Hornet Queen, make five Death Touchers. Uh, so basically, like I've, I stabilized at that point, and I could I had like a Summoner's Pack in my hand, so I was going to win next turn. Uh, and then my opponent untaps and plays Whip Flare, and I'm sitting there like, gotcha, <laughs> what? And I'm just like, that's bad. That was a bad sideboard call. Why did you bring in Whip Flare against Amulet? <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, I just lost because my opponent didn't know how to sideboard. What are what are his stat lines? Is it it's a two three? It's a two two. It's a two two. It's a two two. Yeah. No no no, Azusa. It's oh, a one Azusa. Two. It's a one two. Azusa's a one two. Okay. Yeah. I was just like, what? How did this happen? This is dumb. <laughs> Anyways, then I I was on the play next turn and I killed him super fast. It's like, yeah, take that. Not gonna take long. Get wrecked. <laughs> uh, lost see. the spirits. Played it against another affinity deck and also creamed that affinity deck. Man, Chris, is that matchup really easy? Um, mm, not necessarily. I mean, you have the I tools to lucky. do to do what you need, but like, if they have a big dumb flying idiot with a plating like you can't really do much about it yeah i got i got pretty lucky i drew uh walking ballista in all the games that i needed to <clears throat> um especially the game where i played uh the sweet sweet tech that you taught me and brought in academy ruin and was able to recur walking ballista and kill etch champions and signal pests and <laughs> And Brought everything in. in their deck. If it wasn't main deck, then you truly have not embraced. No, no, deck. it was it was main deck. I mean, I, oh, okay. I played it for the day, and it was like the first time I saw it, and I was just like, oh, 
this is just broken. This is... You're wrong if you're not playing this card. Like You get to do, like, your best KCI impression with the EE. Exactly. I'm just like, like oh, I'm just going to cast this for five. Yeah. Go? Because, like, like, KCI is, like, part of why the deck is really good right now is it gets to just keep recurring EEs, right? Mm-hmm. And it can search them up with stirrings. Well, Amulet can do the same things, but it can also get them with a Tolarian, uh, Tolari West. So you have even more ways to go get it. I guess they have, like, the Inventor's fair yeah but i think it's actually easier to to um transmute right it or, is yeah it's three yeah, mana it's three mana supposed to well, i guess it's five two less mana because you're not stacking a land yeah yeah mm-hmm. so like it's like you can go get it pretty easy and then you also have the ballista mm-hmm. so like that's a pretty like large segment of decks that just get creamed by that shit it's like how do you win how how do you actually win when i just recur removal Actually, that's a. I, I don't know, Chris. Uh, just a quick aside. Like over the course of the weekend, how much like equity do you think you got over having the ability just to keep recurring stuff with with ruins compared to like the version of the deck that doesn't have it? So the the land you replace, oh, I, that I replaced anyway with um, this ruins was a Bajuka Bog. So there are occasions where I wish I had a Bajuka Bog in my main deck, but the I guess yeah, probably the majority of the time. The Ruins almost does the same thing. Now, you, you kind of... It seems a little weird, right? Like, Bajugabog and Ruins don't do the same thing at all. Well, against, like, the Knight of the Reliquary decks, right? You want to use Bog or Goyf decks, right? You want to use Bog to shrink the power of their guys to make sure that your Titan is still the biggest boy around. But if you just recur an EE... You don't care how big they are, you just blow them up every turn. Yeah. Yeah. So in that sense, it's like the same, if not potentially even better. Because just, if they play another one the next turn, you just blow it up again. And you just keep just, blowing up their creatures until they just don't have any more creatures. Yeah, it's just those matchups where like they're doing things in with like within their graveyard where it's like actually painful. Like dredge. Even dredge yeah. you can keep wiping oh, their yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's I, true. The big the big scary thing is like the Grishel Brand decks, like that you can't interact with their guys with Ballista or EE. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so decks like Storm or KCI or Grizzle Grishel Brand or whatever, you much would rather have the uh, Bajuka Bog. But against all like the like incremental um graveyard value decks, mm-hmm. recurring an EE or a ballista is almost just as good, if not sometimes better. Yeah. Because it actually wins you the game. And there's plenty of matchups where using uh, Ruins to recur one of those two cards is just insane, whereas having a Bog would do literally nothing. Like against Affinity. Affinity. Uh, So yeah, that was was just awesome. I'm a true believer of the the Academy Ruins and Amulet now. So I think at least two matches during my PPTQ, uh, having Academy Ruins was just insane in the brain. Well, before we get into all that, uh, John, how did how did your PPT go? Well, you know, Dormammu, I've come to podcast. Speaking of Groundhog Day, we've got, you know, Chris playing Amulet, Chris's motorcycle breaking, Steven losing with a bad standard deck, and me playing Chess Guy. So it's like we've come full circle to the last Look at year. that. Look at that. <laughs> look at that. <laughs> uh, Although so, you may not have to look as far as last year to find out my motorcycle's been broken, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> or Stephen playing a bad standard. Deck. Uh, <laughs> Fair, but, uh, valid, valid. 
But uh, but yeah, I uh, I've been running back Jeskai. It's uh the Jeskai time of the year. No F and M's for me. Um, I'll give a, a quick rundown of my my PPTQ experience since we don't really want to spend much time on my tournaments this week. But um, I went four and two on Saturday. Uh, I got a round one loss to Boggles, which felt awful. And then I um I played a little bit scared against Burn and uh, held a search for Kanta in hand instead of playing it. And then I just never drew lands and got further and further behind, and I just lost. Um, so I think I think I misplayed that game. Um, but uh, my experience over the the first three PPTQs I'd played, I felt like I was playing a very like uh, diverse sideboard that had a lot of um, application against a lot of decks. But I didn't feel like I had very many like haymakers to bring in against the matchups I was kind of scared against, like Tron and these um, like graveyard based decks. And I was really against the idea of playing Rest in Peace. Um, because it, you know, it's kind of it self harms you when you're playing all these logic nods, search for Kanta, Snapcaster Mage. Um, but I talked to two other guys that were on Jeskai after the Saturday event, and kind of was looking at what they were doing and kind of hearing how they were feeling about things. And they they weren't quite doing, you know, I think one of the guys was on Rust in Peace, the other guy wasn't. And I thought about it more and more after I went home with Chris and we were talking, and I realized I just kind of wanted to like sideboard in such a way that I was just like throwing elbows. Like I wanted to be playing really powerful haymakers out of the board even if they didn't come in in every matchup um because like i wanted a, like a, a puncher's chance of winning against these somewhat more difficult matchups or even these close matchups and i also realized after talking to some of these guys that you know um i was playing one angel and a gideon instead of elspeth because i felt that gideon came down earlier than elspeth and was doing the same kind of thing as elspeth all the time but two turns earlier and i think that's true but the reality is is the second angel is just better in almost all the same matchups um like the hollow index can't really beat it um the um dredge decks it's like one of your best cards against mm-hmm. dredge other than the grave hate um it's really good against mardu it's really good against the mirror it's really good against jund um like they just have humans. to it's really good against humans, humans. Are a <laughs> so like, a lot of people aren't playing like removal for it and even if they have the removal they have to have it otherwise it just it's a 10 point life swing every time it connects yeah um and um, so I decided to go with the double angel, double angel package. I put two rest in pieces on my board. I put a crumble to dust on my board because there's so much Tron in our meta. And I've been having actually a lot better luck against Tron than most people. But I wanted to have, you know, again, I wanted these haymakers in my in my sideboard. Mm-hmm. Um, I left in my two damping spheres because I feel that they're really good against Tron. They're still okay against um, KCI and Storm. Mm-hmm. Even though rest in P- or, uh, Sony Silence is a little better against KCI and it's pretty good against Tron. It's immediate impact. Um, so I just went with this like really high-powered sideboard. And I didn't do as well on Sunday. I only went two and three. Um, and I think that the matches that I lost were pretty winnable. Uh, I got uh, game three against Hollow One. My opponent put two Hollow Ones into play. They had two Phoenixes in their graveyard at the end of turn one. Turn two, uh, I was on the play. So I had to play a rest in peace on turn two to keep them from getting two more Phoenix or two Phoenixes on top of their hollow yeah. ones. Mm-hmm. I never saw a path that game and I just died. I had to settle the wreckage in hand. I had an angel in hand. I didn't discard them in the inquiry. I had all the things that I needed <clears throat> to be doing that game, but I just wasn't fast enough. So you just lose like that sometimes. Um, I crushed Mardu. I crushed Jun. The angels were insane. Rest in peace is really good against Mardu. So like the sideboard felt like correct. I was bringing these really powerful cards. Um, I lost to Bant Spirits, where there was three separate occasions in, in the third game where I forced him to have a specific card. He had it all three times. He, I had Angel. He immediately had Path at the end of my turn to kill it. I had removal for his guy. He had Rattle Chains. The very next turn, he had two mana still up. 
I had snap removal. He had another rattle chains. So like I just got got like three times that game mm-hmm. when he was on like two cards the whole time. So my opponent just like ripped exactly what he needed every time. So it's like I'm okay losing those. And then my last loss was to taking turns, which feels like an unwinnable matchup. Um, I was like really salty losing to the deck because it feels like I don't think this deck can like ever like top eight like have a reasonable expectation to top eight a PPTQ. Um, I mean I know it does okay sometimes, but like realistically speaking, this deck is not top eighting. So yeah. it was a little salty, like getting crushed by a deck that isn't, in my view, viable. Yeah, well, uh, but his name Daniel sh- Wong would like to have a word with you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that deck shit stomps Jeskai though. Um, and then I lost the second game to he had a Radiant Fountain and uh, to put him to four, and I had Bolt off the top next turn, so I put him to one, and then I lost mm. uh, because of that. He ended up commandeering my search for his Kanta for he hard cast it <laughs> ah, and then he tapped tap me down with um uh giga draws me yeah. untaps misses on his two draws with the the dictative group howling picks. howling mind the, yeah. yeah howling mind effect he misses on both his draws flips my search activates search finds the the time warp and then just goes off and kills me at one life i was just like Fuck, this is bullshit. I'm so done. <laughs> that sucks. So, so uh, that was that was my, my weekend. Um, the deck still feels pretty good. Speaking very quickly on what you were mentioning earlier, I feel like that's something uh, something that we can talk about for like a whole cast, but uh, non-bows in a lot of decks are like sometimes just so necessary to really hedge against those, those decks that you're having troubles with. Like... Mm-hmm. Especially in in Affinity's thinking, I, I play Blood Moon and Rest in Peace, which Blood Moon turns off all my man lands and Rest in Peace turns off my Arcbrand Revenger. Um, but the matchups where they come in, they just they outweigh the negative that they do in my deck, like mm. so so far beyond what you would expect. And I made some tweaks too. Like I didn't just jam them into the deck. Like I mm. went I went down to two Logic Knots and put a mana leak in so i yeah. had less logic knots uh, i played a spell snare because i think spell snare is insane i was super happy with that spell snare mm-hmm. on sunday i think it should have been in my deck the whole ppt season no one's mm-hmm. really playing it online and like the results i'm seeing but um i kept thinking like every single round i wish i had a spell snare in my deck i wish i had a spell snare in my deck i put it in my deck and i was like this is great i was so happy to see it every time mm-hmm. there's just so many really powerful two drops being played and then my other change was I was playing Opt, which I think is probably better for this type of deck just because it plays at instant speed. But mm-hmm. since I put all these Haymakers into my deck, I want to be able to find them. And Serum Visions digs you a lot more effectively to those really powerful cards. Um, and also I was having some issues with mana here and there, so I just like cleaned all that up. So I was really happy with all the tweaks I made from Saturday to Sunday. I didn't do as well, but I don't think that was like... I think the deck is better than it was before. Yeah, and that's I just good had some n- bad variants. And it's good not to think in, in results space. Result, how do you say it? Results-oriented thinking. thinking. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> so I, th- I think the tweaks I made were... like The deck just felt better. I just kind of got got. Um, so my deck, I think, is in a better place than it was last week as a result of some reflection and talking to the people. And I didn't really do the same stuff as them, but from talking with them, I kind of had some like some aha moments about like, mm-hmm. okay, well, they're not quite right, but their they're thinking combined with what I've experienced kind of steers me in this other direction. Mm-hmm. So, so that was that was my my section. And um, so we can we can yeah, I'm, now, I'm, but, I'm uh, actually I'm actually pretty excited to to see how how the deck performs for you um in the coming weeks so i'm i'm looking forward to that 
Yeah, I think the deck is good, but I don't think it's as powerful as some of these other really linear decks. Mm-hmm. I think it's like I'm going positive on my records, but I'm not like top eighting. So like yeah. I'm I'm doing well, but I'm not spiking anything because the deck is consistent, but it's not consistently amazing. Mm-hmm. So I think I gotta get a lucky to top eight, whereas these other decks just have to get like lucky in a different way. Yeah. So yeah. And before we move on to Chris's PPTQ, let's knock this Pro Tour 25 out of the way. Um, before we get into the the meat of this episode, um, this the standings is kind of a mess. The we have a good percentage breakdown of what the field looks like um, as far as modern is concerned, um, but um, we can't really take a look at anything past the top four teams, right? Yeah, I'm having a hard time finding data on Watsi's site, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a little bit for that matter. Well, yeah, everyone pulls off YC, <laughs> right, for the Pro Tour. Um, all right. So I guess specifically, so the team that won was playing Death and Taxes and Legacy, playing uh, Hollow One in Modern, and playing uh, Blue White Control in Standard. I think those. Th- I, I th- so I think Blue White Control is the best deck in Standard. Um, Maybe you would disagree if you've played with the red, with any of the red decks, but I, I just feel like you can tweak blue eye control to, to really kick aggro in the teeth and really hold its ground against some of the, some of the better mid range decks. Um, with I mean Teferi just helps, so much. It's just such a powerful card. Hollow One I think is very, uh, so the other, the other three decks in in the top is. Ironworks combo, humans, humans. Uh, I think these three decks are kind of like what this format kind of revolves around. You're either trying to beat the combo deck that's going infinite, you're either trying to beat the super aggressive humans deck, or you're trying to beat the the randomized get lucky hollow ones, which to to the to the defense of hollow ones isn't always totally random, but there is a lot of luck based around it. Um, the, the deck presents some of the most powerful explosive starts i think you can get like i affinity was kind of the deck that had like these really explosive powerful openers and um i think hollow ones kind of superseded it as the deck that just puts a bunch of power on the board on turn one or two and then just starts smacking you and it's like what are you gonna do about it what are you gonna do about it what are you gonna do about it you're dead yeah and and also speaking in the hollow one realm we did see like this surge of this new archetype kind of pop up out of the hollow one archetype sub archetype i guess you can call it with uh the black red vengevine deck Mm -hmm. so so if we're talking about decks that create very explosive starts um this deck is is right up there yeah definitely it's just a a, i see i see where it's i see where it go where it's going and how this deck can just be insane sometimes but i feel like if it was as good as hollow one i i I mean i guess we can't really take these standings as like gospel yeah, yeah because because it's a team event because there's other factors that go into winning and losing other than just playing that game of magic um, but I, I, I do feel like this this deck is trying to be a little, uh, I guess not aggressive, but it's trying to do a little bit better in the mid range section where like 
plan one didn't pan out so plan two is to like flood the board with all these small creatures and like get in with incremental damage i so i think i think my my hot take is that the vengevine deck is better in with an absence of grave hate in the format Mm -hmm. um it is more effectively leveraging leveraging its graveyard to do put more power on the board over the long term whereas hollow one has the ability to just drop a hollow one without a you know um without access to that Mm-hmm. Um, like if they have like a rest in peace or something, um, actually it's on discard for hollow one. Right. So you've yeah. got hollow one and flame blade adept to give you this other angle where like, you know, these haymaker sideboard cards like rest in peace don't even necessarily take you off of what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got the Gurmog side and then they've got, and the, um, and then they've got this discard side. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Vengevine deck is just like you have to have a yard really do anything with this deck. Your bridge from lows don't do anything without it. Your Vengevines don't do anything. Um, your Stitcher's Apprentices grave are just bad. Your Grave Crawlers yeah. are just bad. All you have are these like X, you know, cost creatures that are just like garbage. Um, they're, they're they're enablers really. Um, they're bulk to pad out the deck. Um, mm-hmm. But if there isn't graveyard hate floating around, this deck definitely like just it's an engine it just keeps grinding and grinding and grinding. yeah and i do like that is probably one of in my memory at least probably one of the only um more talked about decks that is running bridge from below in modern um it's been a while since we saw a good deck that wasn't dredge play bridge from below no. exactly and it's just like i think yeah this deck yeah if you're gonna play bridge from below this is where you're gonna play it is you're not removing your opponent's creatures and you know you're gonna try to get your the most value that you can out of it before you know starting to really dig in and attack although i if i do recall i think i saw like a vengevine on turn one like two vengevines or something like that on turn one or something like that you can do it with stitcher's apprentice milling them or something milling them or discarding them into two x x cast creatures Mm. Well, Stitcher's is, is the first creature. Oh, yeah, so you just need one. Yeah, you yeah, just need one. Yeah. Um, or, so, like, uh, looting into two. I think the the, uh, the Vengevine deck can have more explosive starts than the Hollow One deck. But uh, I think some people are, are saying that it actually can grind a little bit better than the Hollow One deck can as well. So it's a little bit more Dredge-esque. Mm-hmm. And so, because against the Hollow One, a lot of the times, if you can somehow survive the four fours pounding you down from turn one, usually that's you can stabilize to, to sweep away their you know, yeah. little blood gas. And you know, if they don't have a big boy, then the phoenixes don't come back either. But with the Vengevine deck, you can like you know wrath the board away, and all it takes is like one Stitches Apprentice, which will let you recast a Grave Crawler. Which all of a sudden brings back all these Venge Vines. Yeah. yeah. I think the deck is much more powerful in a, in a graveyard hateless vacuum overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can But it's I obviously like a much, a much bigger dog to like rest in peace. Because then even your Hangerback Walker, if you play it just for mana, is also terrible with rest in peace in play. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to those uh, looking to buy the deck, if you didn't already have Venge Vines, you'll be shelling out. Uh, quite a few dollars for Vengevine now, who had jumped in price to, well, now is it's it was at a hundred dollars over the weekend. Now is at sixty-seven uh, ish, seventy-ish. I almost bought a playset like the week before the pro tour because yeah. I saw some rumblings about this deck, and I have a lot. I have almost all the other stuff. I would just need like the grave crawlers and the citrus mm-hmm. apprentices, and 
I think the rest of the deck I had like available to me, either I have it or Chris has it. Yeah, I've been I've been wanting to, to buy a playset of Vengevines for a long time. I just haven't really pulled the trigger on it and twenty dollars eh. like too much for the card considering exactly. it wasn't in like a real deck at the time. Exactly. But I should have known when I saw Jerry T talking about this deck and he seemed excited, I should have just like snapped, like made a move. Picked him up, yeah. Yeah. Oh well, it's what it is, but man, is it, I sensationalism around magic lately is like it's really getting bad. Like Supply and demand. Uh, a lot of like demand, not enough supply. The the event deck, the event deck, uh, Atlanta War Elf was like, what twenty dollars, thirty dollars, something Wait, like really? that. Why? Oh. Different art. Sorry. Was like the full art no, one no. or whatever. No, no, no. That it's that's the that's the funny thing. Let me let me. It's the same art as the Dominaria, but it has the logo of of M nineteen on it. And it doesn't have a line in between tap and flavor text. Oh, I see. It's like the old style. Yeah. So it's like, it, but like people are shelling out for this. It was it. I, I think I overestimated. I think it's like ten dollars for for a copy. But like, I don't know. It just feels feels like lately the prices just spike because people want to be cool. I don't know. I feel like prices didn't used to spike as as much as it, as they are now, but that's neither here or there. Uh, deck is cool. Deck is awesome. Um, I was saying something about this team. Oh, the death and taxes. Uh, the death and taxes deck is is a death and taxes, and you know it it uh, it just sometimes overperforms. I think in in a format that's still kind of trying to find its footing. It's uh, a very metagameable deck. Yeah, there's a. I, I believe there's a lot of Grixis control in this, in this uh, tournament. Yeah, in this lot. tournament, I think that's the most represented deck. Um, do you have anything to say about the the non death of Grixis? Um, I think a lot of people were trying to make it work. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have access to the results in front of me right now, but I don't think it did work. No, um, it didn't. My my quick my quick takes on Legacy would be I think Rugdelver overperformed compared to how good of a deck it is. I don't think it's actually that great. Uh, mm-hmm. it, I think it overperformed because a lot of people were on it and a lot of people that were on it were really good. Yeah. Uh, like Jacob Wilson was running it back. Jacob Wilson is like Rugdelver God. Um, uh, Death and Taxes overperformed because people were able to metagame. Um, the people that were prepping for the Pro Tour were grinding a lot. Um, they were grinding on Moto. A lot of people grinding on Moto grind during the workday when everyone else grinding during the workday is grinding for the pro tour or mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're grinders like during the workday the people that are on there just playing legacy leagues over and over and over you kind of get an idea what the meta is looking like so yeah death in texas really benefits from that if you can get a handle on what people are playing because you can really tune the deck and then it's it's a very precise effective weapon against these other decks yeah um i think reanimator was really good just because it's a super powerful deck that lost one of its you know best predators um people kind of figured it out um and then sneak and show i think was i, I don't have the data again i don't have it in front of me i think it was kind of underrepresented for how powerful the deck is mm-hmm. um i was really surprised to see like the peach garden of team um put free duke on legacy and they didn't put jensen on sneak and show like he's like an instant lock in these team events for sneak and show um so maybe the pros thought that the deck wasn't quite up to snuff i don't think i'm trying to remember but i saw the list of like number of decks by archetype kind of like we have here in front of us for modern and um I don't think it, like the number of sneak and show players was very high. Yeah. So that's a little weird. 
And speaking, you, speaking of the the percentages, uh, in case you're curious, just off the top four um, most represented decks in this tournament in modern, it's humans with twenty seven copies at sixteen point. 36% blue white control with 18 copies, 10.91% ironworks combo, nine, or 17 copies with 10.3% and mono green tron with 17 copies at 10.3%. That's that's an interesting amount of tron. It's what tron- I enjoyed is um there's one copy of red green tron which is considered separate from mono green tron. Oh, that's funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> So there's actually uh, at least 18 Tron decks here. Oh, they yeah. posted they posted every single legacy deck list, but no standings, just just the deck lists. Um, so is is it that Tron is just the easiest deck to pilot when you uh, when you're expecting to to come against like control and mid range decks, or is it that uh, mono green Tron is just good? So here's my opinion about Tron right now. Um, I think it's pretty well positioned. Because uh, talking to Tron players, they'll tell me that they have a positive humans matchup. Mm -hmm. And Tron also just kind of dumpsters on all these control and mid-range strategies that people are playing to try and combat the humans as well. Mm -hmm. So, especially at these PPDQs that we've been, there's been a lot of Tron, and they've all been doing quite well. Um, Even the bad ones. <laughs> because they always have it. So, so, Tron is just, I think, in a pretty good spot. Um, it's good. Like it's looking, good right now. Like, Tron is good. <laughs> like, looking at the, the top most represented decks of this, this PT, right? Humans with Control, Ironworks itself, Hollow One. I think Ironworks is, like, probably a pretty poor matchup. But... Humans, if that's favorable, blue white should be incredibly favorable, and then hollow one is like depends on how good their hand is. If they can, if they can beat you to the variance, then they probably win. But if not, you just curve out and start resolving Karns and, well, and like, engines. It's like, do you think the average Tron hand beats the average hollow one hand? That's the real question, right? Yeah, I guess. Does it though? It, I, I would assume that. So I would assume that it does, hollow, right? The hollow, hollow, average hollow one hand probably beats the average Tron hand. I would feel like hmm. because uh, they're more aggressive before turn three. I don't know though, because like O Stone just like it's just it, yeah. You're like okay, that's a cute board. I'm at ten life, but I'm just gonna hit this reset button and then play a card next turn. But then it's maybe not just O Stone for the, me. It's like guests. how does maybe. Hollow One beat a Worm Coil Engine? It doesn't. Yeah. Right. It so game one, doesn't. they just resolve a Wormkill engine, and then the game ends over. Yeah. Like, are they at two life when you have a Phoenix, and they have their Wormkill? Uh, probably not. And then post board, they just get all these Thrag Tusks. I don't know. I feel like there's um, plenty of hands that Tron can draw to just end the game immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Hollow One can just nut on them. But I mean, the rate at which Hollow One like plays two four fours on turn one is like really not that high. Mm-hmm. Right, it's it's pretty low. So, granted, Tron's not playing full four Wormkull engines, but I feel like they probably have a fighting chance. Yeah, definitely. A lot of their cards are just like crazy haymakers, like the O Stones, great Wormcoils, great Ugin is insane. Ugin exiles right when you minus it. Yeah, Ugin exiles. It doesn't <laughs> just kill the board; it exiles it. 
Yeah. Like, it doesn't exile <laughs> Hollow One, and Minus Sing 7 is kind of uh, a bit a pain to get rid of Grimog Angler. But, I mean, there's a lot of hands where they just, like, they have one Hollow One, and that's kind of all they do for the first couple of turns, and you just play a card and you just get rid of it. And then all of a sudden, right, you're trying to beat this Karn with some blood gas or, like, the Karn's in play and you try to you play a Gurmug Angler. I, I feel like it's just, you know, not enough. Yeah, I mean, even then, if you take it down to two, it's like, okay, well, now he's going to plus and exile something from your hand, and then you have to keep attacking it or else it's going to... Yeah, it's it's kind of a losing battle. Yeah, Karn on turn three is pretty good. <laughs> Did you say take Karn down to two? Yeah, it, what I mean is is if they take him down to two so you can't minus Karn anymore. Oh, I see, I see. <clears throat> yeah, to the point where Karn can't minus, then you have to plus Karn, and then that's plusing it by four, which means you still have to attack into it, otherwise it's going to exile something next turn. So it's just like, it's this vicious cycle where it's kind of like, you, the minute you have to start attacking Karn with at least Hollow One, you're kind of already in this losing battle. I mean, that's just the case for any deck. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Unless you have like a cranial plating, then I guess it's fine, but it's manageable. But even I mean, then, you know, Tron's, still, eh. Tron is not the uh, most complicated deck you could be piloting in modern. Oh look, do I have and it? So, of course I do. Looks like I'm gonna win. Yeah, I, I think that that helps it a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's not complicated, but it is. But it is. Uh, yeah, it's powerful. Uh, it's powerful. Yeah, so I guess because like it's not that it's because it's easy to play that oh anyone can do well. I think it's like your risk just, of making game losing mistakes is lower. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. You just aren't really presented with as many opportunities to make mistakes, and a but lot of what you're doing is so powerful that if you do make the suboptimal play, it's still it's good. Still enough. so good. It's still so good, even if you're like, oh, should I play this Karn or this Wormcoil engine? Oh, I already played it. Looks like I made the wrong call. Guess I'm still going to win anyways. <laughs> Ridiculous. Anyways. But that doesn't mean you can't misplay playing Tron. I mean, but... so the thing is, we like we like harp on this stuff a lot, but like, honestly, like, I beat Tron a lot online. I beat it recently. It's like, they definitely make mistakes that you can leverage. Like. Mm-hmm. I've definitely seen them make decisions and I'm just like, wow, that's not right. That's incorrect. And then I like, I beat them. Yeah. But sometimes they just kind of roll you too. So I think, I think out of all the decks that I've, that I've seen across from me, it's the deck that I've, that I can see the correct line of play. They don't take it, but they still win anyways. I've seen that more times than with Tron than with any other deck. I mean, except maybe, except maybe like Splinter Twin. It's a very powerful deck. Like just the base level, you know, options they have to take are mm-hmm. really powerful. Yeah. Well, that was our little uh, little take on the on the meta going on here. Um, Chris, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about that PPTQ win, man. Break break it down for us. All right. So uh, it was capped at fifty four people. Um, uh, maybe three or four people were turned away at the door. Yeah, more than that. Kind of kind of sucks for for them especially if they traveled that's that's why you always pre-reg mm-hmm. always pre-reg. always i got lucky i actually didn't pre-reg any of the pbtqs last weekend but i um <laughs> Dumbass. i had an inkling that perhaps it'd be wise to pre-reg for this one which i did which is why i was allowed to play 
Um, anyway, it was six rounds of Swiss. Uh, round one, I played against, as it turns out, it was a Grishelbrand deck, but uh, his variant was playing Fury of the Horde, which, uh, for those of you at home who don't know what this card does, it's uh, it's it's the Red Commandeer. It's from the same cycle. So nice, mm. you did it twice. So you get to exile two red cards from your hand instead of paying for its mana cost, and then you get to untap all of your creatures and get an additional combat phase after this one. So uh, I didn't really know what he was playing initially game one. He opened on Bloodstained Mire into tapped Steam Vents on his end step into second Bloodstained Mire pass. So I thought he was on some kind of like Grixis controlling list. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it kind of slow. You know, wait a little bit till I can transmute for like a Cavern of Souls or something, and then just jam a Titan through his potential counter magic. Until he just kind of goes land go until he hits turn four, and then exile Spirit Guide, and then like alarm bells are going off, like rut row. <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> it appears I've made a uh, a mistake in uh, evaluating what my opponent's game plan is. Well, he casts a through the breach. Puts a Grizzlebin into play, draws 21 cards, and attacks me three times, and I died. So, uh, with this newfound knowledge, I was able to properly sideboard for games two and three. Um, game two, I think, was relatively uneventful. I had a very good hand, uh, many amulets, played a Titan, tagged him, he died. And then game three was kind of amusing, because... All I had going on was a spell pierce. That was my only form of interaction. A single lonely spell pierce. Hmm. And he just decides to go for it on his turn three. Because he had um, looted on his turn two, put a Grizzlebrand in the bin, goes for the Gorios. And I'm like, well, hope he doesn't have a pact negation. Spell pierce it. Spell pierce resolves. Counters the Gorios. Like, alright, 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 alright. Untap. <laughs> I'm able to play a Titan, um, and then I go ahead and fetch up Bajuka Bog, which I sideboarded in, and away goes Grizzlebrand, and he proceeds to never take another game action ever again. I'll do it. So, kind of happy that I was able to uh, to get that that match. I'm taking a look at this list. Uh, there's there's a, a very similar list online. Um, it seems I don't know, kind of. Gotcha. Like, oh, I remember what happened in game two. So I'm attacking him for a lot of damage with like a double striking Titan. I think I'm attacking for 16 and he's at like. Uh, he's at th three? <laughs> uh, and he goes to. He, sh he shoals, pitching a Bring to Light to gain five life to go up to eight. I'm like, sure. You're still just dead? This double striking Titan, and he's like, "Oh, second shoal pitching world spine room." Like, nah, I'm gonna <laughs> pack negation in that. <laughs> then he funny. called me rude, and then scooped up his cards. <laughs> I have a lethal on board. Oh, let me let me try to fix that. It's like, yeah, it's still lethal? Question mark. <laughs> no, opponent was that was was a cool guy. Wasn't. Uh, Malicious or particularly salty about his uh, rude comment, but <laughs> I anyway. got a fair number of those over the weekend. The uh, 
the sporting rude. It's <laughs> funny. Uh, round two, I play against KCI, and this is the first time I've ever played against KCI ever, actually. Um, Must be nice. So game one, I play a snake on turn one, and he, I believe on his turn two, because I lost the die roll, as I did a lot that day, actually. Um, he killed my snake with a spell bomb, so I played another snake on turn two, which he killed with another spell bomb. So I was fresh out of snakes, had to pass without accelerating, and then he just went off on his turn four, I believe. So Great that was story, man. pretty sweet. Um, <laughs> game two, I had two amulets, and he died. Uh, that's yep. a better story. I like that story. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really good story. <laughs> Short. Game three. Effective. Uh, opponent mulligans to six, which is one of the few times my opponent mulliganed while I did not. And my hand is, like, reasonable. Uh, it's like a turn four titan, I believe. But I just have a pack negation sitting in my hand the entire game. So I make a titan, uh, attack him with it. He goes down to 12. And pass it back to him. And he has to go off this turn. Because I'm just going to give my titan double strike next turn and kill him. If he mm -hmm. does nothing. He tries to go for it. I have the blue packed. He's had enough. Scoops it up. See, why would you do that? I mean, obviously I want you to win, but if your opponent casts a pact, you let them take their goddamn turn. Oh, I put a die on top of my deck. Mm -hmm. a, uh, opponent said if I didn't put a die, he would have he would have passed back to me, but die was there. He's like, yeah, Got why it. waste my time? God, I was watching you, I think, in like the, the top eight. And you like packed it and like waited quite a while to like put anything on top of your deck, or maybe you didn't put anything at all. And I was just like, uh... <laughs> "Okay, Pete. <babe>. Okay, okay." <laughs> <laughs> it's like holding uh, your breath until he does. Something. I think like... you like didn't put anything on your deck, or no, you put something on your deck, and then you had to like shuffle your deck for some reason. You didn't put it back, and your opponent was like kind of like eyeballing it and like did some stuff. <laughs> Did some stuff and then like passed back all of a sudden. I was like, <gasps> <laughs> trying to yes. get you. I always enjoy paying packs by saying, uh, I will choose to not lose the game. <laughs> Opponent usually says something like, Oh, that's a good idea. Or <laughs> Sound, good play. Good play. Sounds like a good idea. Strictly the, the correct play. Uh, Anyways, so round continue. three. Uh, Ivan, <laughs> Ivan tells me this is, this is my, my uh, curse for making fun of him last cast by him playing in the dungeon on Ponza, because I got paired against Ponza, round three. That's hilarious. And this has to be one of the most, like, game one has to be one of the most, like, tilting matches I've had ever had against Ponza. And there's been a lot of tilting games against Ponza. Yeah, I bet. I lost a game to Ponza, where he did not cast a Blood Moon, nor did he destroy any of my lands. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's like that's just, like a box on the the bingo sheet if I've ever seen one. Yeah, good you just god. Lost to like bad green red monsters. Yeah, like he just played a storm breath and attacked me with it five times and I died. <laughs> That'll do it. Like that that was the game. So I had two amulets. All I needed was any bounce land. So any bounce land, any stirrings into bounce land, any Tolaria West to transmute for bounce land would have gotten me many titans to kill him very much and I bricked for five consecutive turns. Excellent. That sounds great. 
Uh, on the final turn, I drew an explorer, so I had to redraw and still didn't get there. <laughs> got your hopes up, huh? So that was pretty sweet. And then game two, he did pawns of things. Uh, I think it involved a blood moon, and I was sad and died. Yeah. <laughs> so Ponza remains to be a matchup I have literally never won playing Amulet. Yeah, I believe that. Games I have won, matches I have not. So I felt pretty bad. Um, getting a loss. But uh, I guess I was had some lucky redemption the next round. I played against Jeskai. And uh, I doubt you're listening to this, Dan, but if you are, I'm sorry. Because every time I play against Dan, I just have the nuts. <laughs> and I don't know why it's specific to Dan. Literally every time I play Dan, regardless of what I'm playing or what he's playing, I just have the nuts. Chris beat Dan so bad that Chris got two match wins out of it. One for him, one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Dan marks drop. They didn't drop him. <laughs> we got oh, paired the next round. Oh my god. <laughs> I didn't know he'd marked drop. I just so, was wondering where's Dan at. <laughs> if if that loss to John affected my tiebreakers, I think that's pretty tilting. Because um, my opponent clearly marked drop, and I went and asked the judges about it later on. They sh- they sifted through the the slips and was like, "Oh, yep, sure it is a big fat check mark on drop," and they just didn't <laughs> drop him. That sucks. You wouldn't have known either, except for the fact that it was me. Right? Yeah. 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 God. Um, yeah, so against Dan, I'm win the die roll for the first time of the day. So there's step one to having the nuts. <laughs> step Check. two, I had two amulets. Yep, yep. Check. Yep. Step three, I played a hive mind on turn three. Oh, yep. Check. Yep. Yep. And I had a summoner's pact in my hand. Against and Jeskai? opponent did not have any green mana at all. Let's see how many colors of mana Jeskai has. Uh, you know, white, blue, red. Nope, no green. No green here. No green. <laughs> Fresh out of green. <laughs> so oh, he went man. turn one colonnade, turn two like island or something. So I'm sitting there thinking about it. And I was like, okay, I could go for a titan and attack for 20. I'm thinking about this on his turn before he passed back to me. But it would require me to pact for an Azusa. In the event that he had a mana leak and counter my Azusa, I would just lose the game to my pact. Mm-hmm. So I'm, mm, that might be too risky for me to want to do. Luckily for me, I just drew Hivemind off the top, and it's like, oh, I can just play that instead, because if he mana leaks that, I don't just instantly lose. Well, I I went for it, any, I just played it anyway, because I figured, he has to have exactly mana leak. I guess Remand would not let him die there, but, because if he has Logic Knot, it doesn't matter, because he had no fetch lands. Mm. So he can't actually uh. Logic Knot for X's being anything other than zero. So I'm like, eh. Ugh, that's the worst. Here's a Hivemind, and he's like... Uh-huh. I'm like I'm in danger. Here's a pact <laughs> trigger and he's like he's like Chris, why do you always do this to me? <laughs> I said I'm sorry. Um game 2 it was a much much longer game. Um I ended up copying his colony with a Vesuva on turn 1, which I almost activated. <laughs> almost. But never got around to doing. Uh, there was a turn where he played a Jace, and I think he tapped really lower out for the Jace, which let me play a Titan and attack him, attack to kill the Jace with my um, Titan. But if, in case he had some sort of like counter spell, I could have just animated the Colonnade and killed the Jace with that instead. <laughs> so, 
Mr. Steel Yo Land. <laughs> yeah, as it turns out, Colony would have been pretty useful. Uh, quick um, fun fact. Uh, in my games of Amulet, I was playing against Affinity. Uh, I kept a hand that was basically like, if my opponent doesn't, like if I don't draw Crew Land or my opponent doesn't lead off with Spire of Industry or Glimmer, uh, uh, or Glimmer Void, I'm dead. And he goes like, and he's on the play and he goes, Spire of Industry? And I'm just like, in my head, I'm just like, oh my god, I'm going to win this game. It's so ridiculous. Anyways, continue. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, a game I was able to Cabernet Rookthar. So, uh, Dan was was uh, not super happy about taking six damage to path it. But yeah. uh, you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, Cavern awesome. was picked up later on and replayed naming Construct. So, as Get it turns correct. out, um, Academy Ruins is insane against these control decks. Yep. Yep. You thought you Morland Hot was good. <laughs> yeah, so Bajuka Bog is normally the, the card in that slot, right? And Bajuka Bog is usually pretty good against these control decks because, you know, the, it can help nullify or minimize the effect of Snapcaster Mages. Um, it also helps keep their Search for Escantas from flipping. But I think Dan countered the same Engineering Explosive five times. <laughs> oh, ouch. Because he had a Rune Halo naming Primeval Titan. And I was like, yep, Explosives for two is like a negate. Next turn, Explosives for two, Crypto Command. Next turn, explosives for two, snap negate. Next turn, explosives for two. And it's like, uh. Resolves, like, huh? Excellent. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. Do you just. Do you really. Crypto Command bounced by Rune Halo draw a card? Ah! That's what he should also have done. Also acceptable. That's what he should have done. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Replay the Rune Halo? Engineered explosives? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Got Not him. quite a source for a spyglass. No. Um, yeah. Just recurring... Like, like, So in that case, recurring EU is really good. But uh, in general, recurring a ballista is just insane. Especially if you have a cavern. Yeah. Can't negate that. Yeah. That's interesting. And eventually they'll you, just die to it. Why would you counter something that you know is going to come back as a control player? Is there really any benefit to that? You're treading water. Well, because if he didn't counter it, I would have played a Titan and killed him with it that turn. Yeah, I guess. Treading yeah. water. So, yeah. Your goal uh, in that situation is to like keep countering it while you put power on the board in the form of like snapper vendoing click. Because mm. like like imagine if like imagine if you find a click in the middle of that chain and just put it on the bottom. Right. Ooh. So if you had a click at like any point during that game, we had a very different game. Yeah. Um. Although I had a colony like a block. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, uh, I played against the green-white Vizier uh, value combo deck thing, and that was in the game... quarterfinals, right? No, this was you played it before. Uh, okay, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this was round five, so I'm pretty sure this is a win and in for me. Uh, I, I'm fairly confident I'd be able to draw in the last round and make the top eight. So all I have to do is vanquish this one guy, and he leads with, um, like, fetch land into Temple Garden into Bird of Paris. I'm like, this should be acceptable. <laughs> um, so yeah, game one, turns out Primeval Titan is more better than Knight of the Reliquary. Sometimes. So this is the other matchup where I, part of me wishes I had a Badrukabog so I could, like, shrink his knights mid-combat mm -hmm. with my Titan. But as it turns out, recurring an EE is actually better. So, um, yeah, I just got to destroy everything that he ever loved and eventually kill him with whatever I had laying around. 
uh, game two was quite interesting actually uh i so i boarded in such a way that i was the control deck because he is playing the devoted druid combo and he's now on the play so he's actually kind of a more consistent turn three combo deck than i am right yeah. So I boarded all these uh, braids and sweepers and graph diggers cages and all that, all that kind of fun stuff. Dismember even, um, and <laughs> I just had all the answers. Doesn't that he, just feel great? I like turn one, slap down a cage and pass. He plays like a devoted to it on turn two. I untap and like. I think I think there was one window where I could have lost there, so I had to play like a ballista on one and pass. Because I had a, a three-mana sweeper, but I didn't have an abrade or anything. Well, luckily for me, he didn't have the turn three. He had um, a Militia Bugler, which found a Walking Ballista. I was like, okay, I'm probably dead next turn. Unless something, you know, if I do nothing. So I untap, play my Red Source, use my Ballista to ping his Bugler, and then K-Return to kill both of his creatures. Wow. So he untaps. Plays like Vizier plus Devoted Druid, pass back to me. And then I untap with um, four mana and go EE for two, crack my EE. Wow. So away goes both of his guys. And he like, hmm, untaps and like plays more dudes. Or oh, he like plays a, uh, what do you call it? Duskwatch Recruiter? Mm-hmm. And then activates it, reveals a Eternal Witness. I untap, play Bog, exiling his graveyard. So he can't get any value from his Witness. Wow. And he's like, hmm. And he just, like, plays a bunch more dudes and passes back. And I untap and fire spout him. And he's just, like, I feel like he overextended there. He's just totally out of gas. And I'm able to just, like, play more lands and eventually tighten him out of the game. So he played the two combo pieces in that one turn. Could he have just not played... Just played one of them? And would would you still have sweepered his board for that one creature? Explosives on two? Yeah. Hmm. Alright. I, I can't let him on top with Devoted Druid. Sure. Because if he just, like... I guess I could do blow it up in response to a Vizier Remedies, but why give him the extra mana, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then he might have been able to, like, e it back and replay the same turn or something. Anyways, total hypothetical, but uh, go ahead, continue. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was insane. I just had, like, every single possible answer for everything that he was trying to do on each of his turns, and it felt terrific. Feels good. Feels real good. Um, yeah. And then, lucky me, I was uh, able to draw my way into the top eight um, as the seventh seed. A Rad. Before you get into the top eight, you should tell them about my judge call. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I don't remember what round exactly it was, but it was I finished. Four. Yeah, I finished I round four, early. Five. Five. Round five. Go and try to find where John is. What's John doing? So John's playing against humans, the same humans player I played in the first top eight uh, at Big Brother. Mm-hmm. And I, I get to see John electrolyzed to kill two phantasmal image creatures. It's like, huh, that's pretty good value. Because I think both of them had more than one toughness. So he had my electrolyze under a, a freebooter, and I finally ripped something to kill the freebooter with. <laughs> I think yeah. he had meddling mages. I think they were like one of them was a meddling mage. Mm-hmm. I was pretty locked down that game. <laughs> wow. But so, um, was it Ivan that called the judge? Yeah. Someone called. So the you judge. draw a path. You path the freebooter. Get back electrolyze. Electrolyze, killing his 
uh, imaged Thalia and imaged Sin Collector. Like windmill slam that bad boy. <laughs> and you don't draw a card because Phantasmal Image they just sacrifice. Yeah. So the Electrolyte doesn't actually fully resolve. Yeah. So, so I, didn't, I didn't draw a card. Countered. Yeah, so you don't draw a card. This is all correct up until this point. <laughs> and then I believe next turn, opponent goes attacking again. John drew a Snapcaster Mage for the turn. Goes to. Uh, I think so it was he, snap- he, he played a, a Lieutenant. I thought he was a Lieutenant. Right, so he and plays so he a lieutenant. A, he had a lieutenant with no counters on it, and he plays a second lieutenant. <laughs> so then John goes, hold on, I have an effect with the triggers on the stack. Goes ahead and snaps back his Electrolyze, and targets both lieutenants. Well, they're still 1-1s. One right. And then opponent goes to attack. I'm like, uh, John? Something's not right here. And then <laughs> Ivan calls a judge, because not only did John forget to draw a card off this Electrolyze... John also tapped the incorrect mana like to cast this blue, electrolyze. Blue, blue, white, or something. Yeah, it was like Island Plains, like Colonnade or something. <laughs> I had the mana. I had, I had oodles of mana. Oodles of mana. Plenty of red. Plenty of red. Yeah, there's like three red sources sitting there untapped, and it's like, really, John? Is that empty-handed? <laughs> I think it was like one card empty-handed. Like, yeah. Just, yeah, you had, you had no cards in hand. Yeah, just I was just, just so like, excited. You're like, eh, I don't have <laughs> to draw a card off this I'm electrolyze. I'm gonna win this game. I'm gonna win this game. <laughs> That's fine. So then the opponent comes over and it's like, well, we can't give you two GRVs because it happened in the same instance, but... (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that again. It's like, tap the correct mana and draw your card. It's like, I get a card? And then what does John draw off? Electrolyze? Like, settle the wreckage or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. So, okay. Which I I couldn't cast because I think I... But I (laughs) re-tapped... It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tapped poorly. <laughs> Tapped poorly again. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. didn't matter. So, oh. so, uh, oh. so at this point, so so if I get this right, the judge was called at the point after you had tapped a mana, declared you were casting a spell, and the spell was on the stack? Or so, no, no, no. The no. lieutenants had gone to the graveyard, and they were assigning, like, blockers slash going to damage or whatever. And Ivan's like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> hold up, hold up. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, because like, you technically, yeah, anyways, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> oh, I had, I had to call a judge on a, on a match in the quarterfinals, because uh, Wilson untapped his lands after Bantu's Last Reckoning, and then started Ooh. to, like, cast a spell. He, like, he has, like, three lands that are, should be tapped, and then plays a mm-hmm. fetch under Blood Moon. And then taps one of the other lands and tries to like cast a flay fistle. I was like, whoa, 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 <laughs> hold up, hold up, hold up. Yeah, mm. good old, good old. Plenty of GRVs to watch at a PPTQ, but mine was <laughs> mine was especially bad. The two for one special, you know, electrolyzes a lot of value. I was just like, oh my god, because I guess when they get to block with the snap too. It was like, oh, oh. <laughs> especially when it comes to GRVs. <laughs> Didn't quite get the two for one on that one though. No, thankfully. Anyways, let's, uh, Anyways, let's get into the stop eight. Stop eight. <laughs> so, uh, quarterfinals, I'm on the draw for all the top eights. I'm on the draw for all my top eights ever, apparently. Womp, womp. Um, Which is fine. You still killed it. Speaking of GRVs, I... we had another one at the beginning of the top eight. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, uh, my round six opponent, who I drew into the top eight with, um, is random randomly selected for a deck check because instead of everyone sorting their decks at the beginning of top eight, they decide to just do random checks throughout the top eight. 
So it's really funny because he had his deck sorted before top eight, and they're like, nah, we'll just do a random. So he like pile shuffles, shuffles everything, and immediately when he goes to present, like, all right, put your deck in your deck boxes. You guys are being deck checked. And he's like, really? <laughs> well, That's it gets fine. worse for him because they came back and issued him a game loss because he had snow covered islands in his deck, but had registered islands. That's the worst. That's the worst. That feels so bad when shit like that happens. So he received a game Ugh. one loss um, and ended up awful. losing that match in game three to uh, to Tron. Mono Green Tron. Yeah. That's awful. That yeah. sucks. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't help being the main deck Blood Moon deck when you don't get a game one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, they didn't sideboard for game two, but... Um, oh, they didn't? No. Oh. Are you sure about oh, that? Just, yeah, really? I, that was the ruling. They don't sideboard, but oh, interesting. Okay, I but uh, he gets to choose to be on the play or draw because he lost game one. <laughs> gotcha. God, so bad. Ugh. Anyways, top eight. So uh, quarterfinals, I play against Hollow One, and at, before the match starts, opponent makes a comment about how I'm going to get revenge for Ivan because Ivan was also playing game the day and got bamboozled real hard by Burning Inquiry. <laughs> mm-hmm. As you do. Um. Opponent casts Burning Entry on turn one against me as well, but I do not discard all of my lands. And as it turns out, uh, Gurmog Gangler is not as good as Primeval Titan. Nope. Nope. And More mana, less power and toughness. Quite able to finish me off quick enough. So I take game one. Um, game two. God, game two is pretty pretty hilarious, actually. So he plays like a brutality early on to kill like an Azusa and like look at my hand. And my hand is like lands in a Horn Queen. <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> and so he like this continues playing or whatever. And he like inquiries or whatever, right? So we draw three, discard three. And at the end of the day, I still have a Hornet Queen. And so I think the next turn, like he, he um, brutalities me again to look at my hand. And he sees, I reveal my hand of Hornet Queen seventh mana. And he just concedes. He just scoops the game. Wow. It's like, oh, that's resolving next turn. We're done. <laughs> wow. And some spectators were like, huh, what? <laughs> Scoop? Wow. And he's like, that's... yeah, I'm not going to waste my time with that. With that. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> I, I, I applaud just how like, he was just like, nope. Nope. Yeah, he noped nope. out not of there not real today. quick. I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that um, shit. I'm out. And then game three comes along. He gets me down to two life. But I'm able to play a Titan, uh, copy Radiant Fountain with Vesuva, pick it up, and replay it, going back up to six. And I think I get uh, a plant along along the way. Yeah. And Oof. he's not able to, to kill me that turn. He's like, no good attacks. So he passes back. And I get to untap and just slam Orin Queen. It's like, nope. And if it was good enough to concede, like, not even on the stack in game two, you can imagine how good it was in game three. <laughs> Opponent didn't scoop immediately, but uh, he took a turn past, and I just, yeah, he, he was done. Yeah, Heart of Queen did. So uh, extracted revenge for Ivan, vanquished the Hollow One player. Um, (laughs) On to the semifinals. More of a rectal extraction than a granial one. (laughs) (laughs) So the quarterfinals, I play against Monogreenstrong. Um, so, I guess game one, 
I don't remember it particularly well, but I think it had something to do with me playing a Titan on turn 3 before he had... So he didn't have turn 3 Tron somehow. Your opponent looked wow, confused wow. the entire match. Oh, I just, love those games. Just looked so confused. I love those games. I so live for those and girls, games. Turn 3 Tron is like... Turn 3 Karn is like really, really hard to beat. But if they don't have turn 3 Karn and you have turn 3 Titan with an amulet, it's really, really hard for them to beat. Yeah. Because what happens is you get a Titan and attacks them for 8. And then post-combat you get a, to ghost quarter them. Yeah, You're up 4 permanent... Or you're up, you have like 5 extra permanents that you wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. So not only did they not have Tron on turn three, they also aren't going to have it on turn four. Nope. Mm-hmm. Which means they can't really do anything. No, they at just all. lose at that point because you just double strike them next. Yeah, next you just double strike them and they just die. So that was pretty sweet. Um, game two, I lose because something something something. Karn is a pretty good magical card. Um, he also had a Thought Not Seer in there somewhere. I don't know. It dealt four damage to me before I conceded because he had a bunch oh. of planeswalkers. Um, Gross. And then game two is really funny because... <clears throat> game three. I, th- I think... I, I like to believe that I kind of inceptioned him to, to punt. I hope so. This should be good. So, I had, I had no amulet. And my last two cards in hand are... Well, I have three cards in hand. It's High Mind, Green Pact, Bounce Land. And I have in play Snake, Snake... Bounce Land, Toria West, um, Sun Home. And his he, he just played a Karn and ate a Bounce Land prior. So I'm down to just those, what I just mentioned before. <clears throat> and so I have the opportunity to, to, to attack his Karn to below 3, but I don't. Because I want him to minus his Karn turning land so I can activate a snake and just pick it up. <laughs> and just get him. Get him so good. And then if he plays another follow-up Karn, because he probably targeted a bounce land, right? I just get to activate the other snake and do the same thing on whatever land he targeted with that Karn. Right? <laughs> Seems good. So, I I try to pass in a way that makes it so, like, I just forgot to attack the Karn. How so do like, you do that? So I just, like, think about it and it's like, go, I guess? Like, like... Like as if I didn't see it or didn't think about it or something. Mind games, I love it. I love it. And he untaps, and sure enough, he goes minus three on your bounce land. I'm like, lol. I played the snake, put this bounce land to play, pick up that bounce land. He's like, huh? Okay. Bounce lands all the way down. And then he goes, Ugin the spirit dragon, minus one. I'm like, I have a response to that. Activate my other snake, put the same bounce land to play, pick up my sun home. Sure, minus one. Snakes are gone. I untap, play my Sun Home, which is my sixth mana. High bind, packed, and I drew a pack for turn. So I go pack, pack, trigger, 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 trigger. I'm like knocking the table. Like trigger, 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 trigger. He just like looks at the board for a while. Just like, huh, huh. Meanwhile, in the background, Ivan's like screaming internally. Yeah. He's like, ah. All you had to do, Mr. Tron guy, was play Ugin first. Minus one. And then if I activate my snakes, then you get to blow up whatever land you want with Karn. Yeah. Which means I can't five mind you the following turn. Which Ivan means I was, probably lose. Ivan was dying. He knew the other guy. 
Yeah. So he, as like, it turns out, the guy's like, after? the guy's like, I don't know how to play against Amulet, and Ivan's like, No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn. Savage. Yeah. So it turns out you can make mistakes playing Tron. <laughs> Sequencing, man. And uh, Amulet is a confusing deck to play against. Yeah. If you've never played against it before. Why it's so much fun to watch your opponent try to figure it all like because you have to tell your opponent what's going on but the look on their face is like there's no way there's no way that's happening and then you're like demonstrating it and they're like oh wow what's happening what's going on anyways so going on in the finals so once you're in the finals of an event you're allowed to reconfigure the prize structure as you see fit because my uh, my semifinal opponent was vetoing the draw every time because he wanted to be able to readjust it if he made it to the finals, mm-hmm. um, but he did not, and so I was readjust. We were talking uh, with my finals opponent about readjusting it. So he at first he said, "Okay, maybe we should do it like first place gets all the star- uh, first place gets the invite, second place gets all the star credit, which was four hundred dollars." And I was like, "Eh," I was like, "Sure, whatever." And then I was thinking about it, like, if that's the case. Maybe I'll just scoop, take the four hundred dollars, <laughs> and then I get to then I'll go play with Vacaville with John and everyone else tomorrow. Top eight again. Because I mean, at this point, I've top eighted every single PPTQ I've played this season. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, four hundred dollars—that's that's a lot of credit. That's a lot of credit. Then he's like, actually, actually, eh, how about we do like winner gets a hundred dollars and the invite, and second place gets. 300. The judge is, like, like, dying by this point, by the way. <laughs> yeah, judge wants to go home. Judge is, like, dead. Judge is, like, just fucking decide. <laughs> He's like, is that so your like, final mm-hmm. answer? <laughs> so, so your opponent just got... Thought he had the upper hand. And got To be fair, green. we all did. <laughs> yeah. I thought he did. He thought he did. Ivan thought he did. John, we all thought he had the upper hand. I had no... So I did not believe. No belief. <laughs> So he, so he just got really greedy and was like, I don't so want to leave was them thinking, I was thinking, like, sure, fine, whatever. But if that's the case, I'll just play it out. Because I don't think I'm going to win anyway. So getting 300 instead of 400 is, like, kind of whatever to me. Because it's all store credit anyway. Mm-hmm. And But if I somehow win, getting 100 credit is pretty nice on top yeah. of the invite. Right? So we end up playing it out. And game one, I think he mulligans pretty low. And I have a Titan on turn three that gets a Ghost Quarter, that Ghost Quarters him. And the best part about this match is my opponent was also a huge meme lord. Oh, he was the biggest meme lord. It was amazing. (laughs) So John fell in love that day. Well, everyone, like all the spectators too. This is like the, the, the loosest finals match in terms of like stiffness of the players i've ever seen because everyone's just like shooting the shit like even the spectators which is probably not technically correct so when i play titan turn he's like oh this is pretty this i'm probably just dead and i go haha chuckles you're in danger (laughs) (laughs) and ivan's like yeah when the ambulance player says you're in danger you should be very worried (laughs) so Game one, yeah, he mulligans like six or five or something, doesn't have a turn three Karn, I have a turn three Titan, gets a ghost quarter, he doesn't get to play the magic, he dies. Um, game two, we both mulligan to six. And 
I don't remember the particulars of the game that well, but looking at the life totals, um, he was able to stay alive a little bit longer than normal because he had a worm quail engine gaining him some life. And I wasn't able to cleanly get kill his worm quail because of double strike. I had to trade with the titan, so it was a little bit slower going. Uh, I think he probably had cards you could have drawn they would have gotten him out like i think if he had drawn an ugin or um maybe an ulamog or something he might have been able to get there but he had one turn to draw it and for the first time ever tron didn't have it and so he Lucksack. he died a sad death mvp was his worm coil tokens though to be honest <laughs> like <laughs> hand drawn little wormy boys the death touch one had like angry eyebrows <laughs> angry eyebrows <laughs> and a frowny face and the lifelink one had like a really derpy smiley face. It was awesome. John fell in love that day. They were like sticky notes on top of cards. So like they didn't even go all the way down on the sleeve. You could like see the bottom of the actual card. They were so <laughs> shitty but so well done at the same time. <laughs> yeah, his tokens were sweet. But I ended the game with 19 life. So his uh good his worms didn't really get all that much work done no first but, yeah pretty I good was finally able to uh to win one of these pptqs after my third top eight attempt yeah man must be nice <laughs> see <laughs> so you cursed me you're like you're talking about how i always choke in top eight. Oh, john always chokes in top eight See, I can't choke in top eight if i just don't top eight ever again <laughs> problem solved <laughs> You know, that's some galaxy brain thinking right there. <laughs> yeah, right? Fuck. You know, I actually was starting to worry that I'd become John. <laughs> just making top eight, just immediately losing. Yeah. So, uh, do you have but... any, do you have any uh, takeaways from this uh, PPTQ? Um, so, the biggest difference between this PPTQ and the ones of last week that I, I felt was I mulliganed a whole hell of a lot less. Which seemed to really uh, up my my uh, win percentages, especially huh. in the top. Weird, huh. weird. Um, but I I think I just played very cleanly the majority of the day. Um, like against Hollow One, I think opponents said in game three there was literally nothing he could have done. And Taz, the judge, said, "Yeah, I think you played it perfectly. There's nothing your opponent could have could have done wow. to to win that game." Yeah, that's awesome. Um, which is kind of funny because, like, what? I was complaining that I had played at GP Sacramento and just punted miserably playing the deck. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. But uh, I guess a couple weekends later, I've remembered how to how to play the deck. You've, you've remembered the way. 20-some-odd rounds later. <laughs> so one thing um, that I've been changing is I'm, I'm more willing to board out amulets. Interesting. Beforehand, I was very firmly on the in the camp of never board out amulet ever. I'm I'm in that camp right now. You should convince me otherwise. <laughs> but I've been thinking about it, and a lot of people in the Discord chat say that they like boarding it out against Mardu and Jund and this kind of thing. Um, a lot of them like boarding out against Blue White too, which I disagree with there. But I can get behind um, boarding them out against um, Mardu and potentially Jund. Because they bring in all these ancient grudges and stuff, which end up being duds if you don't have amulets. And the thing is, in those matchups, they don't have a good way to remove a titan anyway. So the reason why I don't like boarding out amulets against blue-white is because oftentimes they still have their sweepers in their deck. And sorcery speed removal. And so if you can't give a titan haste, you can get punished 
by like verdict, snap verdict, this kind of thing. To to because you you really want to to stress their path to exiles as much as possible, so they run out of ways to remove your titan. But if you allow them to have relevant interaction with sorcery speed removal, like D sphere or um, wrath effects, <clears throat> that that really kind of hurts the cause. Whereas Jund and Mardu don't really have these 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 access to this kind of thing. Mardu has like what a terminate, maybe maybe yeah. two. Dread, they play a lot maybe of dread like wars. a dreadbor. I don't know. Like mm -hmm. Jund basically has nothing. Maybe also maybe have like one terminate or one dreadbor. Mm -hmm. um, Lily on the Veil usually doesn't get to kill your titan because you can get colony garden, yeah, make plants, and you have like scouts and stuff laying around. Um, so I, yeah, in these decks, I really kind of am open to the idea of grinding through them instead because of the rest like, of their game plan just, just can't be the titan, right? Because they're they have so much like interaction with your hand that it makes it really hard to assemble this this hand that'll just go off and kill them. Mm -hmm. But all you really need to do is put a titan into play. It doesn't have to kill them the turn it enters play, because. It sort of already kills them the turn it comes into play. Yeah, there are you're because already because it getting, finds another titan. You're you're already getting the value out of out of playing the first titan that the that it's it's kind of pointless if they remove it because there's still just there's there's another titan coming and guess what that one's going to be chained to another one if you if you think your opponent has what, a removal for it. What did you call? It? I think it was in the top eight, Chris. You said like. Uh, uh, Titan Hawk or something like that, or Squadron. Titan? Oh, Squadron, <laughs> Squadron Giant, or something like yeah, that. Squadron, squadron Giant. Titan. Yeah, Squadron Giant. I think. Yeah, that's funny. It's like, yeah. oh, like this one gets. Yeah, another one. So gross. Another one. Another one. The deck has, another one. The deck has so many powerful lines that it can take. It's. Um, I didn't end up boarding out amulets in this tournament, but um, in general, I'm I'm more open to the idea of, of boarding them out. Well, now that um, you have some some F and M time to to play around, you should tell me how that goes. Um, are, if I end up you, playing Amulet, definitely. Yeah, I or, might just branch out to start like playing on, other <laughs> random stuff now that now, I don't have to worry about. Yeah, now you know, that you don't have to actually game. practice, now you just play the meme decks. It's garbage time. <laughs> so yeah, I, time to play garbage decks. Let me play Jeskai. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a. Uh, I felt like I've like. Uh, I have a better understanding of Amulet, even though I'm not playing the deck. I was watching you sideboard. I don't remember what matchup it was, but I think it was Saturday. I was sitting behind you watching you sideboard, and I was like, okay, I think he's going to take out these. And I was like, I think he's going to bring in these. And I like, actually nailed all the cards you took out and brought in. And I was like, wow, I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like, I guess, uh, explorers come out. <laughs> you know? like, Dude, explorers come out every single time. Yeah, I like, know. I've realized that. Like, every single time. Not all the time. I have, uh, I've explore, literally never kept them in. Explore stay in when you need to be fast. Sure. Right. In in those matchups, usually the matchups you're taking out Ballista and EE, Explores are staying in. Yeah. So against Tron, like, I don't want this Ballista in my deck. Get yeah. that out of here. Ballista does Oddly enough, I think I only have, like, two or three cards to board against Tron. Like, I, I, I have... Wouldn't, I wouldn't assume it's many. I have a I have two abrade I was playing two abrades and one seal primordium and I don't think I even boarded in all of those. Yeah. Um it was like plus two spell pierce, plus one seal, plus one abrade, and it's like, eh, I don't even want the second abrade. Yeah. <laughs> like I'd rather just have it explore. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Another thing is I don't think people 
do often enough is trim a land. Um, oh, I do that every single time. So almost every match, I was boarding down a land. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't really boarding down a land in the matchups. I was bringing bog in. Oh sure. Um, but don't forget to board cavern out in all your non-blue matchups. Cavern is usually the worst land. Because you might think, like, oh, against Tron, well, what is Radiant Fountain doing? The answer is more than Cavern of Souls. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, sure. I, <laughs> so, I, I, guess I, I guess in my head I was thinking, like, isn't Forest just kind of... It's not a Forest, though. Because Forest taps for green, which is way yeah. better than, than Cavern yeah. of Souls. Yeah, Cavern of Souls only, only taps for green for creatures. Yeah. Some of the creatures. One, yeah, because it's like Azusa, Snake, and Titan, Ballista, like, both is colorless, I guess, but, like... You get three different but creature like, types plus stirrings. Ancient stirrings. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah Force is way better than caverning and strong. Way, okay. way better. Unless they're playing blue troll. They play ghost quarters obviously. too, so like you don't yeah, want to take out a forest. Like, fuck that shit. Do they play ghost quarters? Really? Yeah, like tons of ghost quarters. I, I can't imagine Ooh, how many I saw Tron ghost quartering people all weekend. I was like, Jesus Christ, how many ghost quarters are they playing now? I, I feel like there was at least that. one instance against Tron where they mapped for their third Tron piece, and I think that was incorrect. They should have actually mapped for a ghost quarter. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Because they just died. Yeah. Because they didn't have any interaction. Hmm. That was in the quarterfinals, right? Or uh, One of those two matches. I, I Yeah, I saw that and was like, oh, ghost quarter would have been really good there. I think I thought that's what they were going to get, and they didn't. That's what I was afraid they were going to get, and yeah. they also didn't. I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Better for me. Uh, another thing that uh, take away from this this event is you've never mastered amulet ever. I'm 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 still like sideboarding and thinking like, is this quite right? Like, oh, should do I, I want a Bayloth here? Do I not want eh? Chris? Like, how many explorers do I want in my deck? Like, it's 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 really hard. If I make it to FNM, you want to swap decks? Yeah, you wanna? I'll I'll do it. So you can get pummels into the ground for a night? Yeah, how many Blood Moons have been a great escape lately? (laughs) (laughs) Depends on the week. Could be a real bad night. Well, Chris, congratulations on your PPTQN. Golf clap. Um, Thank you. um, I'm I'm hoping to to hear you take down the RPTQ. Uh, When is that? I think it's in, like, December. It's Ooh. the weekend before uh, Portland. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's a ways away. One one good thing. Um, I believe in the in some previous episode or something, someone had asked me, would you please write a guide for Amulet? And I said, no, maybe I'll write something when I win a PPTQ with the deck. A Lamau. <laughs> well, here we are. And I'm, I'm working on writing up a tournament report or something. Mission accomplished. Respect plus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that brings us to the last segment that we have, Slot of the Week, where we tell you what card we are totally hyped to put in our 75 this week. Chris, what are you doing? What are you playing with? Well, especially if John ends up uh, following through with what he just uh, proposed, uh, my Slot of the Week is going to be Teferi, Hero of Dominominominaria. Um... When I first saw the Jessica list, I thought it was pretty sweet. Um, getting to Teferi plus untap your uh, scan to the Sunken Rune seems insane in the brain. And I've been waiting to try out this card for some time, but I didn't own any. But with my top eights, now I do. So, <laughs> look at that. I would like to go ahead and take that that bad boy out for a spin. 
I killed my Jund opponent until he was dead with Ezkanta untap Ezkanta for like six turns. It was it was the best I've felt in a while. I felt Ugh. truly alive. <laughs> 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 Anyways. <laughs> A plus, recommend. So uh, what's your slot going to be, John? Uh, my slot is um, Lyra Dawnbringer. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I'm on the second angel now over Gideon slash uh, Elspeth. Uh, I think the angel has uh, a lot of firepower that a lot of decks can't deal with. Um, so I'm excited to run back the double angel sideboard at, uh, I think it's Saturday's PPTQ. I think we have a day off on Sunday, which is why I might be able to make it to FNM. So that's my slot I'm excited about. Uh, how about you, Steven? My slot of the week is a card that, um, that I'm already playing, but I'm still really happy to play it because I just learned its full potential. Academy Ruins in hey. Amulet. Um, yeah, so like I said earlier, just playing with this card today just made me realize, oh, I just get a machine gun on a stick. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'll be playing that hopefully this week, um, unless uh, I figure out a good gen list. In which case, then I'll, I'm going to pick Lightning Bolt as my slot of the week, uh, because Lightning Bolt's great. Yeah. So, <laughs> fun fact, um, you can Tlora West for both halves of your Academy Ruins combo. Oh, You can. That's pretty cool. Delicious. Anyways, that brings us to the end of the cast. Thank you for checking us out and sticking around to the very end. If you're wondering where you can find more content, you can head over to mtgcomplex.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube under the same name, MTG Complex. And if you have any suggestions or comments that you'd like us to read, please feel free to shoot us a message on one of those platforms. Again, we really do appreciate you sticking around, and we hope you'll join us in the next one. Later. Later.